welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today is January 28th, and today we're going to look at Genesis 28. Just as a reminder, the format of this show is every day I read one chapter of the Word of God, so today, Genesis 28, and then I offer a very brief explanation of key ideas, themes, and theology very briefly. The goal is is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes, very briefly. And you know what? Some days and most days I'm successful, and other days we go over and we go about 30 minutes. Well, So let's get into our reading from Genesis 28 today. Genesis 28 says this, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite woman. Arise, go to Paddan Aram to the house of Bethuel, your your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojourners that God gave to Abraham. And thus Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. And now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that he that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. And so when Esau saw that the Canaanite woman did not please Isaac his father, uh, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Methael, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Neboeth. Now Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And, and as he dreamed, behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and cried, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread about the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you your offsprings and all of the families of the earth shall be blessed behold i am with you and will keep you wherever you go and and i will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you and then jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the lord is in this place and i did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured it poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone, which I have set up for as a pillar shall be God's house and all of that 
you will give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Well, this is the reading of God's word from Genesis 28 today. Now, in verses 1 through 2 of this chapter, in response to Rebekah's negative observation about the Hittite wives, Isaac instead instructs Jacob to take a wife from Laban's family. Abraham issues similar instructions in Genesis 24, 3 through 4. And this advice, which coincides with Rebekah's desire that Jacob should flee from Esau, it requires Jacob to go to Paddan Aram. And although Rebekah specifically mentions Hittite wives, Isaac expands on this by referring to Canaanite women in 28.1, a broader designation that would have included the Hittites. Verses 3-4. through four. Isaac's blessing of Jacob in 27.29 not only echoes the divine promise to Abraham, but also requests that God Almighty will give the blessing of Abraham in, in fact to Jacob. And although Jacob is being sent away to Haran in northwest Mesopotamia, Isaac anticipates that he will return to Canaan in order to take possession of the land divinely given to Abraham. A company of peoples echoes the motif of Abraham as father of many people in Genesis 17.4-6 and is repeated also in Genesis 35, 11. Verses 6 through 9. Having heard his father's instructions to Jacob that he should not take uh, a Canaanite wife, Esau seeks to make amends for his earlier actions. To gain his parents' approval, he married one of Ishmael's daughters. And so Esau still retains his two Hittite wives. Uh, verses 10 through 12. Jacob at Bethel. And, and though an extraordinary dream, Jacob encounters the Lord. This experience has a dramatic effect on him as the Lord confirms the divine promises to Abraham will be established through him. This encounter with God is later matched by a similar event on, on Jacob's return to Canaan in Genesis 32, 22-32. Both events, they take place at crucial points in the life of Jacob as he's departing from and returning to Canaan. Uh, 28.10. Now, leaving Beersheba, Jacob sets out to travel the 550 miles of Haran. Verse 12. As he rests overnight, Jacob has a dream which centers on a ladder set up upon the earth, and the top of it reaches to heaven. The Hebrew translate a ladder could denote a stairway similar to those found on ancient ziggurats. What matters most is not the precise shape of the structure, but its purpose, because it provides a bridge between heaven and earth, revealing that God is still committed to making this earth his dwelling place. Jesus identified himself as a ladder linking earth and heaven in John 1.51. And while human beings want to ascend to heaven, as we saw in Genesis 11, God is interested in making the earth his temple city. Verses 13 through 15. The expression, the Lord stood above it, could also be rendered, the Lord stood beside him. Jacob's reaction in verse 16, it suggests that he perceived God as being with him on the earth rather than in heaven. The Lord's words loudly echo the divine promise made by Abraham in Genesis 12:3 and Genesis 13:14 through 16, Genesis 17:7 through 8, Genesis 18:18 18, 18, and Genesis 22:17 through 18, and Jacob in Genesis 26:4. In an act of the sheer grace of God, the Lord states he will not abandon Jacob, but will fulfill these promises given to him. Verses 16 through 17, surely the Lord is in this place. And so Jacob's affirmation of the Lord's presence, it indicates he considers God to be resident in this location. He describes it as the house of God in verse 17. The associated phrase gate of heaven in verse 17 implies that this is the entrance to the divine city. And since Jacob names the location Bethel in verse 19, which means house of God, the idea of God's being present on earth is clearly dominant in his thinking. Verse 18. 
Although Jacob commemorates this special event by setting up a pillar and consecrating it with oil, it's noteworthy that he doesn't build an, an altar here. And this is a further indication he had not yet fully accepted the Lord as his God. And while the practice of setting up pillars was common in Canaanite worship, Deuteronomy 16.22 prohibits it. Years later, after his faith-transforming encounter with God at Penuel in Genesis 32, 22-32, Jacob returns to Bethel in order to construct an altar in Genesis 35, 1-7. Verse 19, the name of the city was Luz at first. The city's name continued to be Lux until the Israelites occupied Canaan many centuries later. The actual location called Bethel by Jacob probably lays outside of the city of Luz. Verses 20-21, through if God will be with me, then the Lord shall be my God. See, the conditional nature of Jacob's vow, it reveals that he's ambivalent regarding his commitment to the Lord. And although God reveals himself to Jacob at Bethel, it's going to require a personal encounter before Jacob fully trusts the Lord. Verse 22, this stone shall be God's house. And so Jacob has promised that that he will construct a sanctuary for God and, and the consecrated stone being the first part of that process. Temple building becomes an important part of the duties undertaken by the royal line descended from Jacob. I will give you a full tenth to you. Centuries later, Israelites worshipers give a tenth of their income to God as an expression of their commitment to him. This is regularly referred to as the tithe. Now, there was once a man named Joe who, after graduating from college, thought it would be wise to join the neighborhood church. This was not the first church of which Joe had been a member. His devout parents had made sure that he attended worship every Sunday when he was growing up. He stayed away from church during college, but he felt the right thing to do as an adult was to belong to a local congregation. As the owner of a small business, Joe found many customers in his church, and his company thrived. His industrious nature was respected by all, and he was soon ordained as an elder. Because of his ability to raise money for the building fund, most people overlooked his known proclivity for emotionally abusing his family as well as his tendency to gossip and thereby undermine anyone who opposed him. Needless to say, Joe, like others, his profession is insincere, was surprised that God found his faith lacking after he died. Joe was not the first to seek the covenant's benefits without seeking the covenant's Lord. His story is similar to what we're talking about today. Esau seeks the goodwill of his father through marriage, jealous of the blessing Isaac gave to Jacob in Genesis twenty-seven forty-one, and blinded to his sinful forfeiture of the divine birthright in Genesis twenty-five twenty-nine through thirty-four. Esau marries a woman more pleasing to his parents in an attempt to gain their favor. But Esau is not motivated by godly sorrow for rejecting his status, and thus the one who is the ultimate source of that status. Esau's disdain for his father's God is plain, both in the narrative's emphasis on his desire to gain a blessing without repentance and his marriage to an Ishmaelite. As Matthew Henry writes, Esau married only to please his father, not to please the Lord. He rested in partial reformation. We who claim Christ as Savior and Lord must be certain that we're not merely doing so merely in order to garner blessings, both present and the future, from Him. While it's not entirely wrong to seek a reward, we serve Jesus primarily because He alone is worthy, and He has a just claim on our lives as Creator and Lord. If we seek covenant benefits without true submission to the covenant Lord, we may end up rejecting the Lord all entirely. John Calvin states this, Since it is a disease inherent in the human race, will 
willing to attempt to deceive God by some fictitious pretext. Let us know that we do nothing effectually until we tear up our sins by the roots and thoroughly devote ourselves to God. You see, when we remember the error of our ways, let us always get to the heart of the matter, our willful rebellion against God. As you repent today, acknowledge first your offense against the Father. Now, Moses turns his attention back to the history of Jacob's life in today's chapter. And on the way to the city of Haran and the city of Paddan Aram, Jacob stops for the night and lays on the ground in a place far from other large cities. Uh, Jacob places a stone under his head, we learn in Genesis 28, 10-13, and prepares to stay there the night, despite being alone and vulnerable. And yet we know Isaac's younger son has nothing to fear because it is here he meets the Lord. Jacob's vision of a ladder uh, is of joining heaven and earth in verse 12. Most commentators believe the stair steps in view here, uh, as the Hebrew word used, may be related to words described, describing towers with staircases. Uh, thus, we may compare the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 with Jacob's ladder. In Babel, arrogant sinners vainly attempt to climb up to heaven. But with Jacob, God in his grace takes the first step towards his chosen man. Nothing indicates that Jacob was looking for the Lord. Rather, God sought him and found him just as he finds all people. God's appearance to Jacob comes at a crucial point in his life. And, and though he has received the good blessing from his father, as we've talked about, he's still homeless and his life is endangered. The Lord's gracious visit thus assures Jacob that Isaac's words have not been spoken in vain. He is indeed the recipient of the promises of salvation and made, made to his father and grandfather. His offspring will spread abroad to all the corners of the earth, an early indication that Jacob's family and all those who have faith in the, in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, will inherit the earth. In fact, Jacob can know that all of this is going to happen because God will be with him to accomplish his word. Matthew Henry reminds us that whom God loves, he never leaves. Christ alone is the same way to salvation as we see in John 14, 6. In fact, thus he later compares himself with Jacob's letter in John 1, 51. And while we do not see him with our eyes today, if we trust the promises of God, we will see him in the age to come as we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. John Calvin comments that Christ is the medium through which the fullness of all celestial blessings flows down to us and through which we in turn ascend to God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 8 makes it clear that the Lord who promises to be with Jacob is our Lord, and he will likewise never leave his people. Have you been faithfully serving God and yet feel as if he's far away from you? Well, take heart today and trust in the word of God, for our Father has not left you, but is sustaining you in your trials in ways you may not even realize. Remember always that our Lord is a covenant-keeping God, and thus he will never abandon those whom he loves. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and today is January 28th, and today we've looked at Genesis 28. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.